Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, come on. Damn it, Jeff. You had one job. I remember screaming that at my friend when he once more couldn't stop the ball in time, leaving our two other friends to win the game. We were playing a budget version of soccer in the green space near the bottom of the bridge. Mike had been caught spray painting the bleachers at the local park a week ago, and now he was banned from the park. We used some sticks to make the limits of our soccer fields and our goal and we also made sure to keep away from the river. That said, we brought two balls in case one found its way into it. Anyway, Jeff goes running off after the ball like a madman, hoping to get it before it would fall into the river. He miraculously did, but he didn't return instantly. Holding the ball in his hands, he was staring at something under the bridge. Soon enough, he called the three of us over. There was a crack, not just a small one. It was in the concrete under the bridge. Now, mind you, I was 13 years old, so I wasn't really thinking about notifying my town. I was more interested in the tiny flickering light I could see inside of the crack. The three of us got closer and stared at it. We were kids, so obviously... Our brain cells all connected into one. The fracture was big enough to let us in, but not an adult. We all thought about making this place a secret base, because, you know, hey, a hole in the wall with lights inside sounds like a fabulous headquarters for four busy boys. Things like Meet Me Under the Bridge would sound so much more badass if we got that as our base. And so I did what any reasonable teenager would do, and I stuck my head inside the crack. The smell, well, it wasn't exactly welcoming. The air was hot, humid, and rank. It was clear this space hadn't been opened in a long time, yet I could tell there was something behind the ample space that was illuminated by what looked like candles on the wall. Maybe there was another entrance, and we just found the crack in the wall, but we could still get in. I'm getting in. I didn't even bother asking my friends their opinions. I just climbed in, stepped over the broken concrete, and entered that room. The light was dim, but enough that I could see my surroundings. And they were not candles. You see, I don't really know how to explain them, but the flame itself floated from the wall. There was no candle, no support, and nothing that justified the presence of a flame. And yet, every five feet or so, there was a tiny flame floating. Just like that. Now, I thought that was just so cool and that maybe I just stepped into a different reality. I invited my friends to follow, and we all went, whoa, simultaneously as we took a few steps further inside what we thought would be the coolest HQ ever. 
Lining the wall was a bunch of symbols of unknown origin. If I had to guess, I would say alien. The walls themselves were coated in a reddish tint, making the whole levitating flame and symbols on the wall look that much more magical. They didn't even look like hieroglyphics or anything I had seen as a kid. It was a language that mixed different styled lettering, dots, and symbols. The ceiling wasn't that high, considering we were all under the road leading to the bridge, but it looked tall enough for four 13-year-olds. The old room had a single hallway leading deeper into the world behind the crack, but it seemed like Matt and I were the only ones brave enough to venture deeper. It took quite a bit of insulting and convincing to get Jeff and Rob to tag along, but they eventually cracked as they did not want us to keep calling them little puppies. Now, we should have probably stopped at this first room. I mean, hell, we shouldn't have even entered the place. But once we had gotten used to the stale air and warmth, there was no stopping us from becoming adventurous. So we ventured further in hopes of finding something even more extraordinary than the first room we saw. The more we advanced, the more distance there was between the floating lights. Instead of five feet, it went to seven feet, then ten feet. And then we arrived at a crossroad, and the road was divided into four segments. We chose to go left and decided we would just come back and try another hallway if we didn't like what we found in the first one. None of these were well lit. They were also a lot smaller and unfinished. The walls were carved into the rock and were bumpy. Only the floor was stable enough that it didn't have to worry about tripping. After a few minutes following this tunnel, Matt let out a scream that had all of us jump and yell in surprise. Apparently, there was something gross, hairy, and slimy against the wall. None of us could see it since we were in almost absolute darkness, so we just assumed he touched a wet rat or moss or something. We teased him about it, he called us jerks, and, well, we kept walking. But then, there was a slight groan that I now know as the last breath. It sent shivers throughout my body and it finally triggered my senses. But I was young and stupid, so I shut it down real quick. I didn't want to be the one to say that we should have turned back, especially after I just called two of my friends little puppies and teased another about a wet rat. So we continued and reached another room. The air in that room was absolutely rank, so much so that I had to raise my shirt over my nose. It smelled like something died in there, and that's when we saw the first one. From the corner of my eyes, I noticed a movement on my left. I felt my skin crawl as my eyes laid upon the creature hidden in the dark corner. It looked human, and at the same time, it didn't. The skin had taken on a desaturated tone grayish, almost looking moldy, and I thought it was human, until I saw it had five arms, all in various positions that made no sense on the torso. There was an arm sticking out of the stomach, another just above the left hip, two from his back, and one at the crook of his neck. I heard a whine behind me, but couldn't tear my gaze off of that creature. 
My friend could be pissing himself, and I'd be missing the opportunity of the year for teas. But I couldn't stop looking. And that thing, well, that thing saw me. And I know it did because his bulbous, blood-injected gaze locked onto me. And I held my breath the whole time. It stared at me for a minute, not even moving its pupils. It stared at me with that fixated, creepy gaze for an entire minute, and then it looked away, completely uninterested. And my heart was hammering in my chest and my knees were trembling, but that thing had no interest in me. In fact, it seemed to want to sink itself into the wall even further, now that it realized that we were there and that we saw it. I swallowed thickly, and my good friend Matt suggested that we turn back. Now, I agreed with him this time, except that when we turned around, the tunnel we'd come from wasn't there anymore. I thought my eyes were messing with me, but no. Even in the darkness of the room, I could see two more entrances to this space, none of which was in the same one that we came from. One was on the opposite wall, and the other was at a distance far superior to what we traveled. We still decided to go with that one since it was the only one that seemed to go in the direction from which we came. Needless to say, after seeing that, we all scratched the idea of making the world behind the crack under the bridge our new HQ. I was thinking treehouse at this point. So we made our way into the tunnel and entered it, like the one we'd used to get here. It was barely lit and carved into the rocks. It reassured me a little because it felt familiar, except for the smell in the air itself. The air was colder than anywhere we had been in this underground, and the breeze I had felt had me shivering. I hoped the draft came from the outside, but there was also a strange smell that I couldn't identify. Something like salt and copper. As we went further down that side tunnel, I finally realized what it was that Matt put his hand on in the last tunnel. It was a corpse. One of those creatures probably chose the tunnel as its resting place. We couldn't see it earlier because our eyes were not well adjusted to the dark, but there was another rotting body right here in front of me. This time, of a human-looking creature with legs sticking out of its abdomen and no lower half. I think a centaur, but with maybe six to seven human legs as the bottom part. The legs were folded on themselves, and the creature's upper body was resting against the wall. Half of its skull was caved in, and whatever used to be in there was already long gone and rotten. There were still patches of skin left along the body, and hair on top of the head. The body also looked slimy, as if it had been covered in muck. Or maybe it was that creature's decaying process. I didn't know, neither did I care to find out. Matt was complaining about not feeling good, and he felt dizzy and barely walked anymore. I had to drag him. I started to worry when I realized this tunnel was going on and on and didn't seem to have an end in sight. The previous tunnels we took didn't take more than a few minutes to pass, 
and we had been walking in this one for maybe 10 minutes. We'd already seen various humanoids with segmented bodies along the way, and though they didn't attack us, their stares made my blood turn to ice, and I was really starting to freak out. All of them looked like they were dying and utterly uninterested in us, but it didn't make me feel any better. I wanted out of this hellhole, and I wanted to go back playing ball with my friends. Eventually, we saw a light flickering in the distance. Overjoyed, I dashed there, hoping to find the first room we got into, only to find myself back in the room with the first creature, but from the second entrance I'd seen. We were back, and now there was one more entrance on the opposite side that wasn't there before, or maybe it was, and we just didn't notice. You see, I might have lost my sense of direction in the dark of the tunnel. I was sure the tunnel had been a straight line, but maybe I was wrong, so which way did we actually go? Matt threw up and fell on his knees, pulling me out of my thoughts. I looked at him. He was pale as a ghost. His eyes were red, as if he had just finished a crying fit. I almost wanted to crack a joke because, you know, I'm a smartass and all, but he didn't look well at all. His hand, the one that had touched the creature, was covered in blisters and cracks that oozed a disgusting yellowish pus-like substance. He held it close to himself and admitted he wasn't feeling so hot. Matt was sweaty and feverish, and his hand worried me quite a bit. Obviously, none of us wanted to touch him, but someone needed to help carry him, and I guess I was the strongest. So I took off my vest, and I wrapped it around his hand. Whatever the hell was infecting him, I didn't want the infection on me. Then I had him lean on my shoulder as we painfully started walking towards another tunnel, hoping this one would be the right one. But it wasn't. Fifteen minutes later, and four sweaty teenagers later, we were back to the first room, and that's when I heard that single groan again. This time, it was in the crook of my ear. When I looked back at Matt, his eyes were empty, like they were frozen in time. I couldn't feel his breathing on my neck either. The vest I'd wrapped around his hand, well, it was completely soaked. I dropped him in shock, and I took a step back. There was no reaction from him falling. His dead eyes, aimlessly staring at nothing. And this time, even I screamed. And then I ran, followed by Jeff and Rob, into a tunnel, hoping that this one would be the right one. And we saw a new creature in that tunnel. This creature had mouths and eyes all over his chest, three legs, and a single arm that protruded from its spine. We saw another one whose face looked like it got caught under acid and melted all the way down to the stomach, where there was another mouth and two arms on each side of it. It was eating, very slowly at that, the rocks that laid on the ground around it. I don't know how long we ran, how many tunnels we took, but we always seemed to go back to the first creature's room. Until I decided just to go back from the tunnel I'd just taken, instead of a new one. 
It took a little over five minutes, but we made it back to the room with the symbols on the walls and the floating flames. I saw the crack in the wall and I dashed towards it. I tried to get out so fast that I scratched my left arm badly on the broken concrete, and I just ran the hell home. I didn't bother telling my friends goodbye. I just kept running until I was back through my front door. Now at the time, I didn't even realize how badly I'd cut myself, until I got into my house and my mom started screaming at me. My arm was bleeding profusely, and I'd stained all my clothes, but it wasn't even the worst of it. We went to CMC Hospital, and when they cleaned my arm, they realized that it was covered in blisters. They tried to figure out what it was, they kept on saying that I burnt myself, and I just kept screaming that I didn't want to die, that it was how Matt died, and just to cut my arm off. Eventually, I think they gave me something to put me to sleep. I didn't know I would wake up, but I did, and I weighed about five pounds less than when I went to sleep. I've also learned that Rob and Jeff told their parents, and that the crack under the bridge was inspected. The news never mentioned anything about those creatures. I also could not attend Matt's funeral because I was recovering. I've long learned how to use my prosthetic, and I make sure to always tell my kids not to explore random holes, caves, or cracks anywhere.